In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. The draft is around the corner. The Browns are chugging their way through the offseason. Paul's out making sure that London doesn't burn. So I'm here with my buddy, Jack. Jack, what's going on, buddy? I'm good. Are we officially saying the Paul Brown podcast is on the clock? I mean, pretty much at this point. I mean, if the Browns do decide to make another signing, it'll probably be maybe the smaller ones. I see maybe hammering out a couple one-year cheap deals until they figure out what they're going to do with that second defensive end spot. So I don't think any decisions going to be made on that here in the near future. So the Browns have officially announced their plans for the draft. I'm working everything I can to see if I can get to be in the inner circle. So yeah, the Paul Brown podcast is on the clock. And so the first thing that happens when it comes to the draft is I take over and I bang the table for one thing and one thing only. And that is a trade down in the first round. Um, so that's I where hear the collective play. sigh of everybody listening, you know, Owen and all the guys are just like, Ugh. so you're telling me, Jack, that you're going to bring all these Browns fans to the shores of Lake Erie nestled in between Cleveland Browns stadium and the cozy science center or the great Lake science center. Sorry. Cozy's in Columbus, great Lake science center in Cleveland Brown stadium. And they're going to pack in there. Here we go. Brownies. Here we go. Hoo, hoo. What the 26 pick the Cleveland Browns have traded. They won't even get to see a first round pick. You're bringing all the Browns fans there. The draft is in Cleveland. No, siree. Duffin says, no, are we trading back? I wouldn't rule out a first round pick and that, and that's exactly where we're going to go. So um, the first question is why trade back? And we'll get to this first before we talk about what you get with trade back and looking at the history of trade backs. And before Uh, we even go into that, we need to preface this. Browns fans, we understand this is uncharted waters for us. We are normally a top 10 drafting team. Every once in a while, we'll get an 11 or 12. For us to not be drop, drafting in the top 25, this is like uncharted waters, right? This is fresh powder snow as we're going down the, you know, the slopes in Aspen. So you got to change your mindsets a little bit, you know, shake up the brain, you know, get the cobwebs, maybe plug some wires in the different spots. You're not drafting in the top 25 anymore. So you have to think different now in thinking different, Jack. And just on that scenarios do we have? How nuts is it? The fact that I don't think we can make the case for a, a guy we take at 26 starting day one. That's just nuts in its own right. Most teams barring, barring a Laramie Tunsil, they smoked some weed and a top 15 talent falls. Yeah. I mean, if a guy like maybe a quitty pay or, you know, Greg Rousseau, maybe one of these guys, it's like a known prospect. You might see him out there day one as that DN2. However, yes, the chances are barring a JC Horn fall where you have that cornerback too. Yeah. You're talking about the most minuscule possibility that your number 26 pick would even start day one. So first thing we're going to look at is, is that question of, hey, why trade back? And lots of people tell me, hey, you get all these better players in the first round. So 
Well, I looked at some research. Out of the 32 players on average that are drafted in the first round, 20 of them don't make it to a, the fifth-year option and second deal with that team. That's insane. We're saying only 12 of the 32 players on average get a fifth-year option and a second deal. And that is a damning indictment. If you're saying in six years after the draft, the vast majority of these players are gone from that drafting team, it really says teams aren't that great at drafting. And then also the other science of it, that he, the Saints class in 2017, personally for me, is probably the best draft class I've seen in my time following the NFL. It was insane. We're talking Jenkins. We're talking even Alvin Kamara was in there fine. Uh, you got Ramchek in there. Um, it was just so many good players. And they haven't been able to follow that up because it is luck. Lots of it is all about luck. Um, and the smartest people that cover the draft say, hey, Let's get more darts to throw at the dartboard. And by doing that, you've got more chance of him. Well, I think ultimately one of the other main predictors of first round draft pick success, you know, we talk about it all the time is the environment in which they get drafted into. And a lot of times teams that are in the top 10 are in the top 10 for a reason. Every once in a while, you'll get Miami who makes a great trade with Houston who continually makes terrible trades. Thank you, Denzel Ward. And you get players on rebuilding teams that fire coaches and change GMs. And, you know, a lot of times it's not necessarily the player and the reason the picks don't work out. It's the players don't work out for the teams that drafted them, AKA Stefan Gilmore. So a lot of times you have to remember that there's kind of those maybe six to 10 teams in the first round that have solid bases under them. They draft for need and the players end up working out. That's why a guy like, TJ Watt is drafted 30th overall and has the career he has and Miles Garrett taken number one overall. And you look at their careers and you go, wow, there's 30 picks in between them. But then you realize the Browns at the time are a dumpster fire picking number one overall. The Steelers are not. They're a Super Bowl contender picking 30th overall. So a lot of times you that's why the Browns and Andrew Barry have been willing to take shots on guys with high draft pedigrees, because ultimately there's a reason these guys were drafted there. And it could maybe just be a situation where, the player got put into a coach, got put into an organization that it just didn't work out for him or it wasn't sustained long-term because ultimately, if you look at the Browns, even draft success from the late 2000s, early 2010s, the Joe Haydens, I mean, a lot of these guys, Jabal Sheards, I mean, they were in the league for quite a long time, just not in Cleveland. So the Browns finally have that solid base. I think we're going to see our draft success start going up. Just yeah. a hunch. And so the next thing was to look back all the way from 2011 to last season of what were the history of tradebacks. And it's silly to just look at just the 26th pick. So I've taken two either side. So we've got all the way through the 24th pick to the 28th and just sort of give us a sample to see, hey, what are the tradebacks? So I'm just going to run through what they were. 25th into 31st on 126. That was for the Broncos, the Pats to select Deontay Hightower. There was the Vikings who traded 25th to, for 31, 117 and 176. And that was for the Vikings uh, last year to select Brandon Ayuk. Oh, sorry. Vikings to the 49ers select Brandon Ayuk. Then we had the 26th into the 31st and 94th in 2016. That was for the Broncos to select Paxton Lynch. 
Then we have the 26th into the 31st, 95th and 249th. Um, and that was for the Falcons to select current now Brown, Tack McKinley. Now, the thing you'll notice with those four, and I believe there's only one other example of this, is the pick was traded for another pick within the first round. So you're just simply moving back some slots. You're not necessarily leaving the first round completely. And I think there's one other example of that from last year with the Packers and Jordan Love, where the Dolphins then traded their pick to the Packers for Jordan Love. But the other examples you meant that I think you're going to bring up are teams leaving the first round. So Browns fans, when you think about this, if you want the Browns to pick on day one, these are the type of packages you're looking at. However, if the Browns decide that they're going to go Seahawks and they don't even want to pick in the first round, Zach, what are they looking at? Yeah, so um, you've got that. The, the final example there is the 26th into 30 and 136 was the Jordan Love. So next we've got a trade back, which nets a future second. Um, and what we get for that is the Colts traded their pick to the football team for them to draft Montez Sweat. Um, and then... We even saw one more wild. We have to go all the way back to 2011 for this one. It was the Patriot Patriots sent their 28th pick for the 56th and a future first for the Saints to draft Melvin Ingram. So that was a uh, a crazy one um, to do that for a running back. Um, but it was interesting to note there's quite a few of these trades that have got quarterbacks in them, but it's not as many as I thought it would be. Yeah, and the idea being that, oh, one of the main theories or frames of thought out there is, oh, well, there's going to be a team that's going to want to jump back up into the first round to get that quarterback. So that's why there's that idea where, oh, maybe uh, there'll be a quarterback still on the board, but there may not be anybody. So in terms of you can't really rely on a team coming up and saying, you know, because a lot of times we go through these simulators and of course you're sitting there at 26 and teams are like, I'll give you my future first. And then they come up and draft a linebacker. And it's like, well, no one's actually really going to do that. But I think the last one is the, the John Dorsey trade though, right? That's the last example you have with the chiefs where they gave up the 28th and the 249th pick. They moved back and got 37, 105, 176. And that was when Dorsey went and got Chris Jones, the dominant D tackle. Um, which obviously turned out to be a very good pick. So, you know, these are some examples in terms of if you're moving back from, you know, say 26, you're looking at maybe picking up a fourth to move back further in the first round because I see 136. If you want to go outside to the back half of the second round, you're probably looking at a future second for kind of that mid-tier. So if we're thinking of top 10 picks, from there, you're looking at maybe a fourth or a fifth or a third, even if you want to just kind of jump towards the back half, like say 35, where if you're jumping into the forties, future second, future first is into the fifties, which you're talking about now moving completely to the back of the second round. Yeah. So um, that's what I've sort of broken down. And I think the Browns are going to be chasing. So lots of these trades have got, Hey, I'll have your second and your end of your third start of the fourth pick. I don't think they're actually going to chase that the Browns because Quite frankly, we've looked at the roster we've spoke about on this show. I've tweeted out my charts. I can't see a route where they fit in nine draft picks in. And if you're trading back from um, 26 and you're adding a 10th pick, well, that, that's just more they can't get. So they're going to, ch- for me, chase a future asset with any trade back. Um, and what I've sort of said is, hey, if they trade back to the th- roughly the 30 to 40, 
it's probably a future third um, 41 to 51 you're looking at future second and 52 to 64 that's a future first obviously people are sat there thinking well if, if he, he said 41 to 51 is a future second within the sliding scale of hey if, it, if it's right near the top of that 41 of say 41st and getting the future second we're probably having to throw in say a fourth the other way and then if you go the other end then maybe they're throwing in a a second and a fourth or a second and a fifth um so th there's a sliding scale but the main thing that you're getting back other than that pick in the 30 to 40 41 to 51 is going to be that future pick um, and, and I think that is a it's a really smart investment let's get the future picks because the Browns have obviously got quite a few players still on one-year deals whether it's your Tack McKinley whether it's your um, Malik Jackson these dudes that they've got to make a decision hey do you keep them we've got lots of guys we want to re-sign so add in future picks especially in the first three rounds is gold because you can just turn that into a, a solid producer. Um, and lo lots of this young talent on the roster is going to be on really cheap deals. And they might be drafted in the th second, third round. They can sit there and learn this year, and then they step up and deliver next year. Now, I really could make your head explode, because you just made a great point about the number of picks. The Browns have nine draft picks right now. I would be very hard-pressed to think they're going to use all nine. My guess is probably somewhere in the seven range. Now, to your point, the one option is you trade picks this year for future picks next year. The other option is, is you bundle up picks. So when we talk about possible draft scenarios, we talk about trade. We use the word trade. And in the world of Duffin, it's Duffin down. But Jack, we talked about a little bit in the pre-show. The Browns are likely going to slate 18 to 20 non-quarterbacks as first round talents. Okay. One of those guys is still on the board and 23, 24 picks are coming up. Do you think that there's a possibility that maybe they give up a day three pick a fourth or a fifth, maybe package a couple of those late rounders that let's be fair. It's going to be very hard for those guys to make the roster and they're really competing for practice squad spots, but I wouldn't, I don't, foresee the Browns moving up more than maybe within a five pick range. So we're talking about 22 to 25, but I think that we do have to explore the possibility that they get rid of some of those nine picks by packaging some together in that later round, just to move up a spot or two, maybe three to get their guy. Yeah. Th it's a possibility. A I know you hate it, but if we're talking about day three picks, future Austin Seibert's and Mac Wilson's of the world. And all of a sudden now I go from, you know, a guy I didn't really want, like a safety, like Trevon Morig, who I know people are infatuated with, but right now he's fourth on the depth chart, where maybe I can get Quiddy Pay, who's going to come in as a DN 2-3. Oh. Well, if you're Warren Sapp, you may not be talking football a lot if Christian Barmore is taken in the first round. I'd love to talk to – I'm going to see if I can get Warren on the podcast to talk about that because I like Barmore. He doesn't. And I'll tell a funny Warren Sapp story if he comes on the podcast with us, but he threatened to beat me up one time. Um but no, it's, it's certainly possible. If, if a trade up, as you said, I, it's not really going over twenty two. But yeah, if, if they're sat there, especially let's in the trade current, up to number ten and get this guy. No, especially no. in the current scenario of like, hey, we still really need an edge. And if they see, say, they've got three dudes they like and two are gone, then they might just go right. Let's give up that 
fourth, uh, second, third, and get that that other guy that we need because it, it becomes that point where they're like, look, we, we missed out on Clowney. We, we need somebody. It's not a, we'd like someone. It's like, we need this. So it's certainly something they could do. And, that, and that's the key reason why you get extra picks. The reason why you trade down and you have two picks in the third round is so that you can go up without mortgaging your future and you haven't given away a third of your day one and two draft assets you've given away an extra one and then you, you trade back next year to add that extra one so no it's certainly a smart thing to do um i'll have an article coming out on this on the dogland might not be out for a day or so but uh that'll be over there check out um we, we run over i just like chatting too much about trade down so uh, well it, but also i will say to jack's point if the browns do take maybe one of their extra picks in the um, back half of the thing to move up. Don't be surprised if later in the draft, they start dumping some of those picks to accumulate picks for next year. Cause they're going to start taking those and parlaying them. Cause you're right. Deepa is going to want that many assets and having nine assets allows you to do it. So if they cut out a few, expect them to pick up a few later in the draft. Now, as always, thank you for listening guys. We're into draft season. We've got loads of stuff planned all the way through um we'll even be doing some mock drafts at the end but we're gonna go deep on some players first um yeah i'm gonna start off i'm gonna start my first prospect i'm gonna take a peek at is barmore so if there's other prospects i know that some of the other shows are having it done um i have a little bit different way of looking at it i do plan on getting um our good friend rodney bailey on to talk a little bit about the edge position so i'm gonna reach out to rodney so if there's some defensive ends that you want um, a former NFL defensive end to take a look at, shoot their names over to us, you know, either in the DMS or either in the replies, let us know who you want us to take a look at. And, uh, I'll probably be breaking down some tape with Rodney. So anyways, most importantly, go Browns. Unless Jack, you have anything you need to add? Hashtag grind the stats. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to be grinding <laughs> the data. Um, why? Ian hashtag Brian tape. So uh, no, as always, go Browns. Go Browns.